Welcome to Attack of the Killer Creators. The podcast where we talk to creators who are killing it. Hello, Killer Creators. How is everybody? This is Attack of the Killer Creators, the podcast. Uh, I am your host, Nat Fitzgerald. This is my wife, Michelle Fitzgerald. Hi, you guys. And today we are talking to uh, a very good friend, a very talented artist, the one, the only, Jonathan Grant. Say hi, Jonathan. <laughs> Hello. Hi. So um, we've known you a long time. Uh, you were in our bridal party. Oh, yeah. Uh, you and Michelle went to high school together. That's right. Um, long term, you're, you know, part of a lot of the big part of the reason or, um, or you were rather in the group that was a big part of the reason why I moved back from South to South Bend from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we all go really far back, but I'm sure the people listening don't really know who you are at all. So why don't you give us a little bit uh, who you are? How are you killing it? Tell people what you got going on. Um, your little elevator pitch, if you will. Elevator pitch. So I am currently the i'm the manager of communications for episcopal charities in chicago um i'm the artist in residence at the american church in paris i'm on a consulting team that consults with churches around making space for creatives in churches and lgbtq inclusion in the church broadly um so i speak and consult and meet with clergy and I, a lot of my painting commissions, which is probably about half of what I do, um, are for churches. So altarpieces and murals. And my, I spent a solid decade uh, directing uh, and styling photo shoots for fashion magazines and brands and working with different blogs. And so I kind of have my hands in a lot of different areas in fashion and art in the church and Somehow yeah. that all kind of balances out. Yeah, we like it. Yeah, you sound like you sound like an artist. <laughs> we we kind of just are in, interested in so many things, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was someone said once that there's like there are artists who have a medium, and then there are artists who have something to say. And rarely yeah. are there is there someone who has both. Like that is a thing, but it's so rare. And I feel like I have more to say necessarily. I don't care about which medium it takes shape. Sure, That's awesome. Okay. So um, we grew up together a little bit and, and where we grew up is not super um, creative. I don't, it doesn't feel or it didn't didn't feel like it. Not a super artsy town. So (laughs) how did you end up um, kind of pursuing this creative stuff from the upbringing we had. (laughs) Uh, Well, I grew up in a very artsy family. Yeah. Um, My grandmother is a pianist. My uncle is a pop singer. Um, Everyone in my family is some kind of visual artist, craftsperson, uh, musician, even if it was just in the like privacy of their own home or just for, you know, friends and family at dinner parties. Yeah. Everyone had multiple ways of, of creating and exploring, and it was expected that I would have a few. Um, and I don't even think there, there was never any real stigma around that, other than like the expectation that like that's not your career, that it's kind of a private thing. Um, but yeah, I think that it, growing up in that kind of environment, and then I went to a college... I went to Asbury College where there was just a huge culture around the arts. It yeah. was a liberal arts school and kind of the, I mean, in my imagination and maybe other people who went to school with me would differ on their opinions, but 
the one of the main sporting events on campus was the quarterly critiques the art oh wow student okay. critiques wow they would be packed someone would be would le- run off in tears there would be drama <laughs> it was immensely entertaining and there was just kind of a culture around like everyone yeah. who goes there is creative in some way and yeah um yeah so i think that was kind of the environment in which i would like kept painting and that kind of just organically uh morphed into commissions and residencies and cool. yeah and so really what was your process between because it sounds like you were doing a lot of the same stuff that you're doing now in college um totally what was the what's that totally yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> what was what did that process look like of like i'm gonna do what i'm doing here like as a career, because I know that's a pretty rare college graduate experience. I mean, I, I had the art stuff, and then I was like, "Now I got to get a job." Right. <laughs> and I went the opposite way. I ended up, you know, quitting that job and came back to creative work. But yeah, yeah. and it might have just been like maybe I didn't have that support around me as much, and it was not as expected. But tell us what what changed for you. Well, and I think we've all had our own like. like we've all had our own relationships with those things of yeah balance between our creative work and professional work that you know when in different seasons um I mean honestly I've kind of always played in creative things I mean as Mm -hmm. a kid we would be we would get friends together for photo shoots and make film documentaries and (laughs) put on plays and create characters and go on exhibit expeditions mm-hmm. like all of these kinds of things uh kind of organically grew into what I do as an adult um and I think that that the organic process is probably missing for a lot of us there's mm-hmm. a disconnect between professional grown-up environments and the way we play as kids which is right hmm. I mean we've all yeah we've all experienced it <laughs> it's it's a little traumatic to sit in a, you know, uh, false fluorescent lighting and, right. uh, perform a task that's not connected to the way we played as kids. But, um, I think I've just kept, I've just kept creating whether I'm paid for it or not. And I've just kept mm-hmm. making what I want to make. And I've just kept showing up. I think that's always been my mode is, is, in spaces where I have a like ten millimeters of permission, I <laughs> I take twenty, yeah, and and then I say, well, like, what 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 could we do with fifty? Or <laughs> what if we had three other people taking ten? You know, like, how can yeah. we? So I think, and part of that's my own privilege. Like, I've had a lot of privilege and a lot of support, and um, that gets you know gets us pretty far I've always run into walls and barriers and and kind of been able to pivot and kept like I think being able to live very simply and minimally on a very low budget has been enabled me to to create in these ways Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no you uh you bring up an important part an important part that we bring up um in our, in our course, in our blog, sometimes there's like one of the best ways to make more room for a creative, a more creative lifestyle is to, uh, actually take control of the resources you have and minimize those. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can actually like, cause if you're trying to like pay mortgage on a $400,000 home yeah. and you have this big high paying job you can't walk away from because you can't pay your expenses otherwise. Whereas like if you're couch surfing for a while, which, you know, might not be an ideal situation <laughs> an for a ideal lot of people. Decade? Just say it decade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you know, it might not be like the most like glamorous thing in the world for a right. lot of people, but like, it's still, if that's what's more important is really the thing. And so, and but, if that, if at any point in my trajectory I would have purchased a car 
or a television <laughs> or a dishwasher, like I would not be accomplishing the things that I've accomplished. Like it would have yeah. changed. Those mm. little purchases would have changed my entire pro- trajectory. Yeah. And yeah, I'm constantly aware of that. <laughs> you know, that's funny. I, I feel like I did that a little bit um, growing up. Like I didn't get a car until I was graduating from college and I had cho- I chose instead to use my money for travel. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, but the, and that was intentional because I didn't think I'd have those chances later and yeah. I don't regret any of it. But it's kind of fed into that creative side of me and helped me grow and discover yeah. more. And so, yeah. you know, you, I guess you put, you know, you can put your money and your time on the things that you prioritize. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but as you were talking earlier about like, um, just like being creative no matter what, I'm remembering, Jonathan, some of the fun um, things that, like, the memories I have of working with you, because uh, we, we were in a movie together. <laughs> I just forgot about that. Um, and never I, saw the light of day. It, the trailer saw the light of day. The trailer did. In one <laughs> scene. <laughs> but... I was like, oh, that was, I was so excited. I was ready for my, like, film debut. And, and that <laughs> movie fell apart. Um, I was, and I was supposed to be an extra in that, but I got sick the day I was supposed to show up. <sighs> it was all part of the providential plan of, like, me not becoming an insufferable actor. <laughs> so so I guess that was your saving grace. But yeah, I, I yeah. Mean, uh, but I love how creative, yeah. um, like, the memories I have with, with you and your brother and that group of friends were just like so full of like creative play. Like you were saying earlier, like mm. just having that like permission to do stuff. We did the fun, like dress up and do a picnic at mm-hmm. the mansion at the history museum or the let's climb a building and sit on the roof. And I don't know. We had a lot of yes. um, interesting times that I feel like a lot of people miss out on because they, they just kind of stop playing (laughs) and I think as creatives that's our like eternal struggle is how do we keep that um kind of like childish wonder and creative side alive yeah because it does it does tend to get uh sucked out of you during normal everyday society right (laughs) yeah and I think I think that's even you know the challenge for me at this point in my career is I have seen enough of the way ways in which play translates to money, you know, to mm-hmm. be vulgar. Um, and I can't like unsee that or unthink that. And so mm-hmm. it kind of colors the, even the way I play. Like I, if I do a sketch, I finish a sketch. And I'm like, Ooh, can I sell that? <laughs> <laughs> Rather than just like doing a thousand sketches and not thinking about it. And, right. um, so I think it's going that's going to take some active work on my part of of detaching myself from that process. Mm-hmm. Then on the other hand though of course like you have people who never have that thought mm. of oh I can actually turn this play into a financial opportunity for myself. Like I'm I'm never going to like so many people who just never realize oh I can actually make a living and provide for myself doing the things I actually want to do. Yeah. Which I think is better. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, grass know, is always greener. It always, it, whatever we create or whatever we, we create, it serves yeah. a purpose for us and for our community. And, our, and I don't think that has to be, I mean, I don't think that the point of, creativity is capitalism no um and the art world itself the music industry the film industry like these are systems that are (laughs) 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 like they're you know they're they become these insular systems yeah and they don't i think that's been the way i've existed in the creative world is that I'm going to make my own rules and I'm going right. to play by my own definitions. I think you guys are like this too. Like, <laughs> and that's one thing that I appreciate about like a lot of our yeah. friends that we, we're going to create what we want to create. We're going to make our own opportunities. We're going to put in a gallery space where there's no gallery space. We're going to mm-hmm. create yeah. a venue where there's no venue. And like, we don't care about the rules. <laughs> right. Uh, so we're sort of 
talking about a lot of different aspects that I, I want to bring together for one question, <laughs> um, because we've mentioned it a bit. Ten years ago, there's a group called RPAC, River Park <laughs> Arts Collective. Uh, you were in that group. Michelle was in that group. Um, a few other uh, people who have become very close friends of ours. And mm. I was in Chicago at the time seeing this thing happen and decided to move back maybe 75% because of that. Um, I mean, you were so, a part of it too, even from a distance. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll accept that. But so really, I mean, it, I moved back and became a part of it. Yeah. yeah. But so the whole idea that we had was, and it was really like, you were one of the first people I heard talking about this was that, you know, looking out into the desolate culturalist landscape that was South Bend, Indiana, <laughs> circa 2009, and said there could be something special here. Mm -hmm. At what point do you think, like, what relationship do you think you, your persistent insistence on play <laughs> had on that thought? Oh, um, interesting. I think, I mean, I'd always been connected to the other people in South Bend who had been trying to make creative spaces happen for the sure. 10, 20 years before yeah. that. Yeah. And they took very formal, like, they're going to create a gallery or they're going right. to create a museum, or they're going to work, you know, run this museum or, um, um, and I think more than play, I I wanted to build like community. I think yeah. that's really Oh yeah. I think that's another form that creativity takes for me is that I want Absolutely to make spaces where people collaborate and interact with one another. And I think it's especially rare and important. And as I see the the shift that's happening in churches, I mean, I don't know how obvious it is in South Bend, in but globally, I see a shift away from formal church spaces mm -hmm. and into spaces of radical hospitality. Like yeah. People playing together, people creating together, people having meals together. And um, so I think it was an almost like an early premonition of like, this is what the church will look like in the future. And let's like, mm. I think it creating a space where we tried to in a rudimentary way without having the theological language, tried to like create liturgy together in a yeah. playful way and mark the seasons of our lives together. And um, yeah, I think that was as much now that I reflect back on it, that was kind of what I was attempting Yeah, with everyone. And um, it was just such a gorgeous time with you all. Yeah. Uh, it is It is one of my fondest periods of life. Mm. Um, and not just because, like, Michelle and I were early dating at the, <laughs> at the time. But, like, just it was really, like, looking at what we're doing now, especially with Make and with Rebel Art Fest and with, yes. you know, the house shows we're doing and all the music I'm playing. Like, it feels like that was the genesis of, like, that would start, like, this is what I want to do. I mean, because it was really the idea of shifting in my mind of, like, becoming an industry musician, which is what I was trying to do in Chicago, mm -hmm. to then, oh, no, I want to build a community of artists. I want to help do this instead of that. And so that was just that. But I feel like it's the, very much the same way that you would look at like you specifically, not like you generally, but you specifically, Jonathan Grant would like look at like a parking garage and see like a discotheque, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like you, you looked at South Bend and saw this community that could happen there, um, which I think is probably one of what I have seen is one of your biggest strengths is looking at something that is not and seeing as how it could be. Yeah. Mm, oh, I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> I love that. Um, and like, just as Nat was like, the memory of 10 years ago was really cherished. I mean, this summer was awesome. Yeah. This summer, Nat and I threw a music festival in River Which Park. Which was yep. amazing. 
yes. where, you know, like he got to pull together like all these amazing local bands and musicians who are doing yeah. great. You had this a beautiful like interactive mural for everyone to like for the community to come and be part of art in a way that yeah. was like engaging and um something that like could be touched and played with instead of like, you know, a lot of times art feels so distant and yeah. you know not for the masses. So <laughs> museum. Um and and just like we wanted the festival to 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 kind of be a celebration of the community you know, and the yeah. people in our town. And I feel like it really was that beautiful thing this summer. Um, and, and I know like, you know, that is going to keep me going for a while that just that <laughs> like enjoying all that yeah. good that came from it. Cause one of the reasons why, you know, I do my creative work is like it, I think, you know, dignifies people when we share with them our creative stuff and give them, mm -hmm that space to to come kind of as they are and interact with it and you were saying like you have you feel like one of those artists who has something to say so what would you say is um one of your big reasons like why you do your creative work what's your why oh <laughs> um I mean part of I think as I've explored why I create and why I feel the need to create I think part of that I've learned is about um, discovering walls and barriers. I kind of feel like a spy when I create, especially <laughs> since I'm creating in churches and institutions for whom commissioning work or having an artist in residence is new. Yeah. So they kind of have the idea of like, oh, you know what? Well, we, we love our not, spaces. Oh. Not actually new. Just well, new uh, for those communities, <laughs> right? Not, new yeah. for modern not for, for the church as a whole. Yeah, new in the last hundred years, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but like churches, for instance, that haven't commissioned an artist before, or right. haven't had an artist in residence. Yeah, and so I create in those spaces and get to be the one who says, like, okay, like you all said you were okay with this, but here are some walls and barriers mm. that you have that yeah. you aren't aware of. These are subconscious things, yeah. or like you said create anything and then I made this thing and you reacted to it in a really negative way. <laughs> like, let's dig into that. And yeah. um, so in on one hand, like that um, is something that's kind of, I'm aware of that's something that I have to say and a purpose behind mm -hmm. when I create. Um, also, I'm, the more I become for lack of a better term and hopefully not offensively a theologian and <laughs> uh, in creating in a way that's like an exploration of theology and theological yeah. ideas. And um, I'm very cognizant that the thing I care about creating now is collaborating with people and groups of people on marking the seasons of our lives, like creating liturgy yeah. How do we how do we mark our deaths? How do we mark a birth? Especially for those of, of us who are no longer connected to a faith community or don't have a really strong cultural tradition around right. us, that we get to reimagine that. And it's it to mm -hmm. me that's so exciting. And it can be done in a really gorgeous and purposeful way. Um and then just in general, like my personal practice of creativity is is a lot about kind of the joy and optimism I feel and the like finding pattern and repetition and, and I don't know, joy in nature. A yeah. lot of what I paint are like weird little saints and leaves trees. and trees yeah. and trees. forest yeah. creatures. We have, and <laughs> we have a few of those. We have a few of those. There's a series of trees series in of our leaves in our room. dining room. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I just can't stop. And like, as you yeah. are, your dining room attests, I've been doing that for over a decade. Like I can't, <laughs> I'm not done yet. Well, those weren't, yeah, those weren't 10 years old. They showed up on our porch one day. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. Within the last seven years <laughs> amazing yeah yeah um, um i've i don't i know i've mentioned this in one of our things at least in our web course but i don't remember if i've mentioned anywhere else like to me i feel like um gosh the act of creating 
it feels like such a sacred thing to do because you are bringing something to life that was only a thought in your head, Mm. you know, through your creative work. And so, um, like, do you, do you sense that too when you're creating like your, it feels like really important and sacred stuff when you're, (laughs) you said it's just like a lot of joy, but does it, does it feel more important to you sometimes? Um, it does, no, it doesn't to me because I, because to me it's a practice of play and I actually have a very specific like practice of mediocrity, (laughs) um, in order to not make things too precious or too sacred as I'm making them. I well, every can't the maybe 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 sacred's not the best word. Maybe the maybe divine is the word. I don't oh, know. totally. I, well, no. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, both yeah. and like. Okay. What I create, I want to specifically make it like, not overthink it. So I have to tell myself like, this is going to be mediocre, and then I release it into the world. Yeah. But I think the overall act of creativity, which in Christian biblical terms is actually the second great commission when we're told to sculpt the earth into something beautiful, like the literal word for like, for subdue is like a sculptor would subdue Mm. clay. And Mm. I think this idea of our creative acts in the world are sacred. Um, I just, as a personal practice have to have to take that 10 steps back and tell myself like this thing in front of me, isn't sacred and sure i have to kind of you know de-importantize that so that i don't uh overthink that actual sure i I guess maybe for me i i don't know i feel like like the everyday moments can be sacred and not that it has to be super perfect to be (laughs) yeah so so i don't have problem like just having fun and then also being like this is important for me to have fun and this is like um like a shared sacred moment to me, I guess I feel like that's in the everyday totally you know, mundane things. And right. so, I don't know. That's just how, I guess that's just my attitude. Right. Toward it. And, I, and I guess, especially, um, cause I feel like maybe you've betrayed your two and in, true intentions at a point because we keep referring to this thing as play, but also it's like, this is what you're doing in, the most sacred spaces you can find. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and part of my invitation actually to those spaces is like, right. Those spaces have become too precious Ooh, with, yeah. I mean, so specifically I'm an Episcopalian and I exist in these realms of like incense and gold and altars <laughs> and, procession and it was a revelation within the past two years to learn that the episcopal and anglican churches utilizing those things started in the early 1800s that their their way of exploring their faith was an improvisation of looking back into the past and saying they used to do this thing. Like, uh, maybe we could try that. Maybe we can make this thing play with sacred ideas and sacred imagery and sacred um, themes uh, in our in our spaces. And the fact that they were um, very purposeful improvisations, which is mm. kind of my new word for play, like to yeah, improvise... Yeah, yeah is almost a strategic play and sure. And so my, a lot of my invitation for faith communities now is to continue that work. Like don't freeze your improvisation at one point and say like, okay, now this is finished. Now this is perfect and sacred. And now it's the serious part. Yeah. Yeah. That we should always be improv improvising with, Mm -hmm. with what we're, what we make. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Okay, so that's a good um, segue, I think, to talk about what is your like creative uh, routine or uh, process. Um, I could talk about this forever because okay. 
I love, I also love hearing about other creatives and their processes. Um, Which is important to note for many listeners that there is a process. <laughs> and, right? And an oftentimes yeah. it's pretty regimented. It, it has, it, I mean, for some people it isn't, it isn't, but for me it has to be. Um, it has to be, yeah. I find that for me, my percentages of inspiration to output is about 80% inspiration to about mm. 20% output. Interesting. So that is a lot of days of me being worried about the fact that I'm not making something. <laughs> and then a few days of me making more in an hour than, you know, I could have, you know, I thought I was possible in a week. Yeah. Um, so I have, I kind of have a routine that includes like once or twice a week going to the art Institute since I live here in Chicago now. Yeah. Um, it includes specifically choosing tangible things. Like I'll, I'll work with, I'll keep, I keep technology as far away from my eyesight as possible. (laughs) Um, includes not keeping my computer or my phone in my room whenever possible. Yeah. Um, and when I consume something, I want it to be something that inspires me as well as entertains me. So yeah, if I rewatch Frida, for instance, yeah. yeah, I'll watch like twenty minutes and then I'm like, oh, I gotta go make something. Yeah. So it's a better use of my time creativity creatively than binging a whole season of something just like disposable. Yeah. For lack of a better term, there's no yeah. disposable creativity. <laughs> But um well, <laughs> hold on. What was that? What's that show? There's a show on Netflix called Flinch. Okay, that one's okay maybe that. that's uh it it basically we've watched a few episodes. It basically plays like you know in all those dystopian movies when they show like the pop culture and like to show like how dumbed down society's gotten. Oh god. <laughs> that's this show. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> I I legitimately think that every thing that can be imagined uh, yeah. should be created. Like anything we can create or want to create, we should, but not everything that's created needs to be experienced. <laughs> sure. And you, don't, and you can't. And like, and you don't you need to, that doesn't need to take up your time. Totally, <laughs> totally. <laughs> also, cause like, I feel like our culture right now, especially in like the binge culture, of how we consume media has such a fear of missing out. Yeah. We're like, we've never, we watched one episode of breaking bad and we're like, Oh, is that what this is? Okay. I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. But then that was it. But like, there's some people like, Oh, like there's so many conversations that I'm in was like, Oh my gosh, have you seen such and such? Oh my gosh. It's so great. Which is like, Sometimes it's great. Some um, a lot of times it's just really mediocre. Sometimes it is like <laughs> the new Dark Crystal show. I'll plug that because that that's so really good. excellent and oh. it's technically yeah. excellent. And there's a lot of care taken in the way it was created. Which and, that, those kinds of things to me, I find fuel my inspiration and right, fuel exactly. my own creative process. Yeah, right. No, because there's a there's a documentary on there too about how they did it, and it totally. is spellbinding because <laughs> um, they still did it all with puppets. Yes. <laughs> but and and my studio practice tends to be way even more regimented. Like, yeah. I if I'm gonna if I have a day to to paint, which I've been scheduling into my life because mm, my an intentional schedule you say yes my we keep saying um, this <laughs> i have to otherwise i'll fill it full of coffees with friends <laughs> yep um <laughs> but my my like nine to five job quote unquote is 20 hours a week so yeah i do that on mondays and wednesdays and then um the other days are my studio days or mural days because i've been doing a lot of murals lately nice. yeah and my like routine for that is to I put on a record. It has to be like that something something about like the very physical, tangible right. acts of like I put on a record, typically um Cat Stevens, Joni Mitchell, mm-hmm. Peter Paul mm-hmm. Mary, Joan Baez. I have like mm-hmm. a set of like and it kind of gets me in the zone and I put on the kettle and I make mm-hmm. a cup of tea and I <laughs> it kind those kinds of nice. rituals 
help set me in the like, okay, now it's creative time. Yeah. Often yes. even lighting incense sometimes. That's yeah. another sensory piece for me. But yeah. And I, I've done that since I started painting. It's kind of been those things. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I mean, we have like figured that out too. Like as creative as we are. Uh, and also we are all three here enneagram sevens oh what <laughs> seriously so the fear, eight wings the yeah. Fear of eight missing wings. Out. yes yeah you too <laughs> oh my god that fear of missing out and wanting to do all this stuff it's real yeah and, yeah and so but like ha- like scheduling myself those times or having those rituals to kind of set things in automatic are mm-hmm. so important you know um for me to get work done because I feel like otherwise I'm so easily yeah um, like distracted and want to move on to the next thing. Well, so and I, I I'd love to hear you, about your process. I'm like that is awesome. You've got mm-hmm. you you know what your rituals are and the things that like help you get in that mindset. Yeah, and I think for sevens too. Like I've noticed something that my mom actually started with me when I was young. If I was having a hard time focusing on cleaning my room, for instance. <laughs> just having her there sitting with me like talking with me while I did oh, it yeah. was the only way I could focus and may, and kind of took away that FOMO yeah. and and that's kind of how I mean I remember painting with all of you guys like that where it's like well mm-hmm. I can paint if everyone is there we're all having tea we're all in mm-hmm. talking <laughs> and and when I'm not at my healthiest um, <laughs> I need that like I need right. people around me, and I mean, not that that's an unhealthy thing, but I think to just settle that FOMO. Yeah, yeah. But it's just having having that other thing that's like easy enough to ignore. Hmm. That like it's it's there, and you can pay attention to it if you want, or you can like ignore it if you want. Like, it's not, like, something that's going to demand your whole attention, but you can just, like, sort of, like, pop back and forth between the things. Yeah. What's been harder lately is that a lot of my projects, I mean, I spend more time setting up future projects than I do making <laughs> actual projects. I, I'm sure you guys can relate in some ways. To those, Absolutely. Um, with big festivals and things. What, yeah, once once blood fl- once bloodline is done in October, I'm going to be like, what is my life? What do I do? Uh-huh. Who am yes. I? Well, yeah, then it's actually River Lights is up on the way. And with, with intangible projects like that, it's yeah. hard to get a sense of... Uh, you know, uh, accomplishment and especially accomplishment in a way that feeds kind of the Midwestern Protestant work ethic we grew up with that (laughs) finds our validation in having created something tangible. Um, right. So it's a constant reevaluation of that and reimagination of how I find my authentication as a right. And yeah. And like how you, how you define that success. Yeah. Because it's, it's really like, a difficult thing, like, especially with bloodline last year, which was maybe the most hastily thing like put, put together, put together. Oh, probably ah. the biggest, like the, than our first Revel uh, the first rebel art fest. <laughs> I mean, it was a much larger undertaking than okay. the first rebel art fest, okay. but it was still a little hasty. It's still a little really bare bones. And so then it was just like the fact that we, just the fact that we did it was enough to like yeah. mark it as a success. Right. Ooh, yeah. Whereas like, and that was especially like the very first, rebel art fest was even more like, like we went gallery. out we did it six it was weeks. a success mm-hmm. we planned it in six weeks i think did we ask you no it wasn't no, you it was we had a few other miles and Pat. for advice and they're like oh that's not enough time you need like a year and we're like ah, uh, we don't have that much time so we did it anyway <laughs> let's just oh try my one. Gosh. but then like this last time the mark of success changed you know so it was like this year we actually like made a profit like awesome year four four, we were actually able to like take some home to like pay us for it and like actually get us paid for the work that we put in so it was like oh this is success now and so i mean it felt it felt like success it felt like success anyway but it was really nice to (laughs) to do that uh but so an exponential growth it seemed in how many people could appreciate it Mm, yeah that putting on a sunday helped a lot Mm -hmm. um but back to 
back to uh, your process in your life and yeah. things like that. So you, you have, <laughs> I think you're sort of slowing down on the couch surfing now. Uh, I have an actual apartment. You have an actual apartment, like yeah. a lease? Yes, I do. I've had, have I've a had lease. that for a few years now. And wow. It is so good. But so in this decade of couch surfing that you're talking about. <laughs> That's low, an exaggeration, but yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> right. Well, we were there for a lot of it. It wasn't that much of an exaggeration. Um, but, you know, couch surfing and globe trotting and going so long at least from our perspective, with no real job (laughs) (laughs) that we could tell. Ah. Um, What, how did you define success in living a life that was so counter intuitive to the, I guess, American work ethic? Was it coffee dates? Is that how you measured it? I mean, kind of like (laughs) what, what I constantly, I mean, People are more important to me than, than oh, yeah. profit. Yeah. As I as I know they are to you guys. And I because I was mobile, um, I was able to show up for my friends and family in really like consistent yeah. ways. Yeah. And keep maintain those relationships. And um and you know, build a like really wide, beautiful network of creatives all over the world. Yeah. And um, I constantly had opportunities, like to go on board with magazines as a creative director, or you know, to take really cool jobs. Yeah. And I watched my friends. I mean, specifically thinking about Paris, mm. which was kind of always like that was, you know, in some ways my like epicenter for the past 12 years um but i watched my friends who took you know high stress jobs there um kind of have to put a number on like how many times they'd see their grandparents again Mm, Mm. right and that was something i was never willing to do like in my prioritization of what was important to me um so i think the things that I wanted, also the things that I wanted to do. Yeah. Like I wanted to be artist in residence at the American church. And in order to make that work, I had to be really mobile and live really frugally. And I, for many years, I had to fund that when whatever scrappy ways I could, mm-hmm. um, because it was something I believed in. And can you tell I me think, the, sorry, oh. yeah. what's the scrappiest job you took? <laughs> Because oh. I, I was a dog walker at one point, and <laughs> that felt pretty scrappy. <laughs> um. Oh, I mean, dishwasher. I don't know. I need- how many times did I did I go on dates just because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to eat tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um. <laughs> Now we um, know. <laughs> that's not a job. Okay. But, no. <laughs> um, Some people make it a job. Right. Yeah. So I yeah. i we've all had to do things to make ends meet. And yeah. uh, <laughs> that probably sounds worse than it was. Oh, no, but it's funny. I mean it's true. Like everyone just like we figure out what we can do and right. some of those things are like, oh man, I never want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. And I also and I also feel like you guys are similar in this room. Like my eight wing is such that, well, and my unhealth, my disintegration to a one, we're going to get all Enneagram here. So like, if our listeners when, have not gotten in the Enneagram. If you are unfamiliar with the Enneagram, you gotta get take a quiz. moment to pause and then probably <laughs> read or listen to the road back to you. Oh, so good. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Um, I do don't have the ability to be in like for instance i worked for this amazing british luxury brand for a while nice and uh they were so cool cared about great products and sustainability and therefore when they make something that wasn't cool or had processes that were inefficient or created something that wasn't actually sustainable yeah um I couldn't turn off my my like oh we got to do something about this this needs to change yeah how do we change this we got to rethink this this system's not efficient this thing isn't you know like <laughs> my brainstorming 
has no chill. And um, it made it really complicated to work in those environments. Still fun because they're people-based, they're creative. I get to like help people and make things. But um, there's a fullness and a control to the creative process, um, which is also why I'm so obsessed with collaboration because it kind of plays on that like control and giving up on control which I think is a really healthy for creatives but yeah yeah absolutely yeah our our dog is sitting at this couch and he is trying to catch a fly at with varying degrees of success oh my god probably no success but (laughs) that was the noise if you heard him that was (laughs) (laughs) um Yeah. Um, so sort of take us through, like, connect the dots. Uh, how did you get to the point uh, doing the things that you've always wanted to be doing? Uh, how did you get to the point where you are couch surfing and going on dates so you can eat dinner <laughs> to getting oh. your own, to having your own lease and still doing the same thing? Sure. Like, what were the, make what were the big work? breaks or big changes? You hear about that? Oh, um, I, it was that repetition of just showing up yeah. and still making the things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, social media really changes, was really a game changer. Like, yeah, Facebook came out when I was in college mm-hmm. and shortly after college, uh, Twitter and then Instagram and, um, those were all tools of connecting with other people and other people seeing my work. And yeah. so yeah. I think it, there was an organic growth of I'm making photo shoots because that's what I want to make. And people saying like, oh, I want to collaborate with you. Yeah. And then people seeing those collaborations and saying, oh, we want to hire you for this thing. And then other people seeing those and saying, oh, we want to hire you for something bigger. So there was that kind of organic growth in fashion. Yeah. And then also that organic growth in painting. And um, so, yeah, I think that it's been, for me, it's been relational. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm if I'm at Fashion Week writing for a magazine, I'm talking to the person I'm sitting next to and building a relationship with them. And out of that relationship, we, maybe we create something together. And um, I think some people have, we've been given the idea of networking, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a, I don't know, to me, that's a very uh, dull and flaccid term. Like that doesn't, that's not inspiring (laughs) the idea of, of, using people um but i think existing in creative community and collaboration with people um is really exciting to me and yeah yeah so i think yeah i think it's been pretty organic for me um yeah so just like consistency and then riding that wave of wherever it just takes you Hmm. yeah yeah now i do have a question though looking back like if you could have known then what you know now (laughs) would there have been any big changes you made or um different approaches you would have taken to maybe get where you are faster or advice you would have for someone who's getting on that journey for the first time um actually i've not really thought about this before (laughs) but the idea that comes to mind is um you don't have to be a martyr oh yeah you get to prioritize the things you care about because they're what you care about. Right. You get to protect yourself and care about the things you want to make and the people that you want to be around. And no amount of suffering mm-hmm. is in any way um, necessary. Hmm. And if you're experiencing that, um, like it's not, I don't know. I think the culture that I grew up in, family-wise, faith-wise, regionally, there's this kind of idea about, like, um, I don't know, redemptive suffering. Hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And maybe I'm overstating that a little bit. I don't don't feel like I have suffered greatly. But 
things, I think I've experienced difficulty in my naivete and, um, and yeah, sometimes I kind of didn't find solutions for it, uh, because I thought that was a necessary yeah. part of my right. personal redemptive story. So I don't know. That's the broader picture thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, also, yeah. from the moment you start creating, I don't care if you're in kindergarten, <laughs> draw up a contract. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do not it. learn the hard way. Write out all your expectations. Have the other person write out all their expectations. <laughs> yeah. Get that shit on paper. Yes. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, when you were saying suffering, I'm like, <laughs> you guys don't need to make art for free. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like everyone yeah. wants you to do your creative work for them for free. You know, and like yeah, okay. yeah, exposure don't pay the bills. <laughs> so literally, well, and that's good. I feel like you know, as artists and creatives start to, um, you know, like see their the importance of their work and the value of it. Like then they can just say, no, I'm writing this contract, and this is my <laughs> this is my rate or whatever. Um, yeah, like they need that kind of permission i think sometimes to know that to actually value what you're doing yeah and that the value is based on what it's worth to you and what your time is worth to you and yeah um i think it took me a long time of like calculating uh the value of a painting or of a commission based on my years of experience and education which are great you know like those rubrics are helpful when you're getting started but also um, for instance, I know now what my time is worth to me yeah. and what I can accomplish um, so that I I never need to do a mural for, you know, less than a certain amount of money yeah. again. And every time I do one, I kind of bump that up a little bit because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, now it I took more me experience. this amount of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it means that I leave the project happy and satisfied right. uh, because I'm profiting mm-hmm. from that experience. I'm yeah. not just giving and expending. I feel, right. I feel like Brene Brown would be really happy about how honest <laughs> you are with your, like, these are my expectations. <laughs> this is what I need. I'm not just going to suffer in silence. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, like, doing that for what it's worth. Yeah. Also, I think, I mean this is also something specifically for murals that right. took me a while to learn, but, but do like, do charge for every little thing. Like, oh, mm, yeah. you know, ha- and don't, there's no reason why, I don't know. I think even when I learned this first, when I, when I started styling is that if I'm styling for a brand, they give me their credit card and that's what I put the expenses on. Yeah. And that's what I put the, you know, um, you know, all my charges right. on because they, there's no reason why those, why I should have to incur that and then wait for them to pay me back. And I think right. even learning to say when my time is so valuable, it's more valuable than what I create. And yeah. when, when I write something on my calendar, I, get a third of what that's going to cost me, you know, what that right. the final price is. Yeah. I get a third of it when I write it on my calendar. Yeah. If only mm-hmm. because my time is valuable. And if they change their mind about wanting that commission later on, they do not get that back because right. I do not get my time back. Right. That right. I've, that I've started sketching and planning. And, yeah. Good. Yeah. I think I said that in a very harsh way, but it's, it's no, been it's, a boundary that I've made. It's not true. Here. No, it, and that is an important boundary that people have to make because I know a lot of people who will say like, oh, yeah, like I'll do – like they'll enter into a creative project without that sort of boundary. And yeah. they'll, they'll say like, well, you know, it's fine because like I enjoy it. It's something I want to do. So, yeah, I'll do this for somebody. But then like they do just end up resentful and angry and bitter which Mm -hmm. sours, it doesn't necessarily sour just the relationship with that person as much as it also sours the entire process. Mm, Right. So yeah, those boundaries are good. Good to have those. And I don't think that, I mean, I still, I also have learned 
that the creative process has value for me personally. Like I, yeah. there are things I want to make and there are things I want to say. And um, if I get the basically I scale things like price wise on the more freedom I have in creating what I want to create, mm-hmm. the more I get to make my own mood board and my own concepts. Yeah. And um, it's on like my list of things I want to make the, the cheaper my rate is. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> I absolutely have a, I absolutely have a, I am not going to enjoy this surcharge <laughs> that I add. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and so like, I mean, if anyone out there is like thinking about commissioning a church, for instance, I really eventually want to work with a team of architects and design a church. And yeah. that's the kind of thing I would do for free if I'm given an unlimited budget and an right. unlimited, um, you know, complete creative freedom. Um, they would have to probably budget like millions for the actual production because yeah. wow. it's going to be insane. But um, yeah, those things to me are scaled yeah. for like right. what they give to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could probably keep going on <laughs> and talk about a whole lot of things. But I think, I think we've hit a lot of really valuable nuggets that uh, are going to be helpful. And um, Michelle's got a party she wants to go to. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> but also, um, so right before this, I was making sushi for lunch and making like a habanero strawberry sushi roll. So hot. Oh my god. And Nat was watching Hot Ones. Hot Ones, which is a YouTube interview show. Have you seen this? No. Oh my they, gosh. They eat hot wings and ask questions. <clears throat> I wish that you were here in person. It wasn't just over, you know, a call. And so we could just give you some hot sushi rolls. I could uh, I could give you hot yes. sushi rolls and ask you questions in between, you know, you getting hot sweats and not being able to handle the heat. <laughs> ah! No, this All is a great day. idea. Oh my gosh. Do do you like spicy food? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. How how what's hot your, can you handle it? Yeah. What's your number at Cambodian Thai? Uh, <laughs> just one chili. It's just just one. Just one. Yeah. Just I say oh, I like spicy things, and then it's like, well, just a little bit is like really spicy. Oh. Okay. But I don't yeah. hate it. Yeah. So, I actually i i uh, just ordered the number ten when I, last time we were there. Oh. So. We've been challenging ourselves to try hotter foods. <laughs> That's and then impressive. Foods. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Most, mostly delicious. because of this Hot Ones YouTube show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love but, it. Oh my gosh. Um, awesome. What is your favorite creative project that you're working on at the moment or have coming in down the line that you want to tell our listeners about? Ooh. Um, I mean, I have a smattering of things coming up. I'm planning a few retreats um, in different cities around the States. Just like little afternoon times of rest and reflection with friends um i am finishing up a mural here in chicago that i really mm-hmm. love because they gave me so much freedom and i think i've watched that on your stories oh yeah looking, looking good thank you <laughs> um i'm also um coming back to a series that i started a few years ago and released a few episodes of but um video interviews with artists and creatives and theologians specifically mm. about art and faith and the future of the church. Yeah. Um, so that's at um, Grant at Church on YouTube, and I'll be oh, releasing nice. more of those, and I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, other than that, conf- speaking at conferences, and eventually I'm. everyone keeps saying I need to write a book, so that's kind of in my, <laughs> like, in my realm of thinking of things, but... Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's awesome. Do it. Okay. Yeah. So we will uh, link to those in the show notes, listeners. If you want to uh, check those things out, we will absolutely be checking those out ourselves. Um, Michelle, you have anything else? Or? I don't know. It's been great catching up it's with you, John. Likewise. And, um, uh, it's inspiring to watch your creative work as you continue to kind of grow and explore new outlets for that. And so I'm just, I feel really grateful and inspired to, to see yeah. you doing that work. And so I'm excited to share what you do with um, everyone who tunes into Killer Creators. Yeah. That means so much. I love yeah. you guys. Yeah. We love you too. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to leave the the listeners with? Um, I think it's, it's just to 
to show up every day and keep creating something, yeah. even if it's small, even even if it's mediocre, especially if you don't know what it's going to be, especially mm. if if you don't, uh, you know, kind of have a long term vision for it. I think that that purposeful improvisation, mm-hmm. explore awesome. the ideas that you're creative about. Yeah, love it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, so that is it from us. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. Catch you guys later. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Attack of the Killer Creators. If you want to know more about what Jonathan is up to, check out the show notes. We have a link to his website, to his YouTube channel, and where he is just doing a lot. Uh, Also in the show notes, you will find... Links to our affiliate partners if you want to help support this podcast. Also, like and subscribe. Leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And we hope to catch you on the flip side. In the meantime, keep killing it.